How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Blind. I am your host, Chris Adams. However you're listening to this thing, whether it be the Podbean app, iTunes, the podcast app on your iPhone, whatever it is, make sure you hit the subscribe button, leave us some comments, some reviews, and uh, give me a little feedback. Let me know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. If you're not following along with us on social media, make sure you check out BTBN on Facebook and Instagram. That's where you can keep up with all the newest information, episode releases, all that good stuff. Um, the head-to-head, it's coming up. We have uh, another week. It'll be the first Wednesday in October. So I think the uh, next Wednesday is the 30th of September, something like that. It'll be that next one. So... First Wednesday of October, we'll have the head-to-head. You'll have eight call makers competing to see who moves on to the final four. So that'll be a really uh, exciting one. You're not going to want to miss out. We're going to do that on Facebook Live on the BTBM page. So make sure you subscribe to that sucker. And uh, if you want to join the closed group, just type in BTBN Podcast. And that's where the best way to communicate with me. Um, If you want to make yourself a really cool duck call or you want to buy a blank to have your favorite call maker turn into a duck call, check out Seth Owsley over at Swampwood Products. He just sent me a shipment in this week, and uh, he just turned some really, really cool stuff. And if you want to jump on my Instagram, Unstable Calls, you can see a lot of my calls are built with Swampwood Products. He just makes a really, really killer product, and he stands by his work. So check them out over at Swampwood Products. And while you're on that Unstable Calls, checking that out, make sure you give it a like. And uh, send me a message if you want me to put you on the waiting list. If you want to get yourself a really cool piece of apparel that's not for you bedazzled jeans wearing guys, go over to Fox Red Apparel on Instagram. We have a link to all their stuff on our website as well. And you can check that stuff out and get yourself a nice piece of apparel. Today we have uh, part three of the uh, the dog trainer, I don't know what the heck we were calling it, the Retriever Series with James Staten, and uh, we're going to talk a little dog work today. So without any further ado, Mr. James Staten. James, how we doing today, buddy? I'm good. How about yourself? Mm, not too bad, man. Just uh, been hanging out around the house all day, working on a, uh. a f- finishing up a few calls, but I didn't do anything too crazy today. It was kind of nice. The weather was good and relaxing, so it's been a good day. Yeah, man, a day off. I, I wish I could know what that was like now. <laughs> work work is so crazy. It's it's ridiculous with us right now. Yeah? And yeah, it's, we're covered up with my normal job, work, electrical stuff. And in fact, I'm right now coming home after working all day. I went and trained with a group of guys this afternoon where all the guys that I train dogs with and the guy that, my buddy that's a pro that's got scout and a bunch of them, everybody's in full-fledged grand mode for the grand in a couple of weeks. So we're, they're working hard and running dogs like crazy right now, so. Yeah, that's freaking wild. So they are going to end up having the grand? Right now, everything is full tilt, on go. They uh, sent the email the other night that they've got the judges. All the judges have been assigned. There's going to be eight flights in the grand this fall. There's, I think there's something like 788 dogs in this grand this fall. Is there normally one in the spring, one in the fall? Yes, yeah. Usually there's one spring and fall. The spring was going to be 
scout and myself, it's going to be our first grand. But then when COVID hit, they they shut it down like they did everything else when it first got, you know, all panic mode like it did. Everything shut down. Well, the grand was part of what got shut down. So it's now, I guess, kind of a product of that. Nobody got to go in the spring, so the fall one is huge. There's a ton of people going, so. Well, yeah, that, man, it seems, you know, when you take something and you you not let, you don't let anybody do anything, it's kind of like when they shut down concerts and, like, shows and different mm-hmm. stuff like that, and then they did that, like, little opening where it was supposed to be, like, 50% and 75%, and there in, like, the first couple of weeks, nobody was following the rules. Like, everybody was breaking them. Uh, yeah. Because... There's, you know, it's been shut down for so long, and now everybody's like, well, heck, this is our only opportunity. Like, there was no calling competitions, really, all summer. Yeah, um, yeah and, they, and they, I saw the other day, they canceled the Worlds this year. I mean, I can't ever remember there not being a Worlds on Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. And it's now crazy. the Worlds has been canceled, and I mean, I'm not a big, big contest caller, but I kind of, I know a lot of the guys that run that kind of that circuit and that scene and i usually go down for you know we'll hunt that saturday morning and then we'll go down just hang out stuff and we won't be doing that this year i mean it's it's just weird you know well and see theirs at least makes sense to me i think they canceled the whole festival and stuff they did the entire wings over the entire wings over the prairie is done you know and i i just that's just for a guy that lives in arkansas that's that's just been such a tradition thing thanksgiving weekend that it just doesn't seem doesn't seem right to not have it you know can you imagine the amount of business that's being taken away from the city because of that oh man man if you've never been it's insane the, the, the population that triples in the town of stuttgart arkansas that weekend it's crazy dude it was uh i was down there in 17 live streaming the uh cash regional something uh-huh. like a month before worlds and i never had cell phone problems service problems at all like i had right. lte and everything and i was good to go i went down there at worlds and there legitimately might have been like fifty thousand people in a town that's normally like five thousand and you could not make a phone call it was insane we couldn't stay live longer than like five ten minutes until the finals when people started to clear out yeah it was uh, yeah it's it's crazy it's very weird at least they canceled the whole thing like the rogers one which is like the second biggest one outside of like easton and stuttgart so i guess the third uh, biggest they still had their sales and stuff like that which was really really yeah. weird to me i'm like wait you're getting rid of the calling tent but yet we're still allowing everybody to come in and do the sales. It, it's kind of weird yeah. to me, but uh, yeah, it's 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 and, and you know, and then like you know, we we're talking about the grand. It was canceled the spring. Now we got the fall, and it's such a big group of people and such that are going. But you know, myself and some other guys, we were talking. I'm I won't personally be running a dog. I mean, scouts going, but I won't be handling him. And I was talking to a couple other guys, asking, "Hey, are you going to go? Because I know they've got their dogs with pros." And, most of them are like, I don't even know. If, like, we we want to go and to be there, but all the restrictions that they're talking about and put into force, like there may not even be a gallery to watch the test. Well, I mean, if I can't handle a dog, I don't know if I want to drive six hours to Kentucky and I can't even see the test when my dog goes to the line. 
Yeah, that you takes know, away a lot of. I mean, what else are you supposed to be doing? Just hanging out and talking to other people? Sitting in a truck all day. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's literally all day sitting in a truck. Yeah, no, you can't you know, convince so me I, to do it. I just, I, and your nerves are going to be just on edge the whole day. I don't know that if I can't, if someone can't let me know if there's going to be a gallery, I won't be going. So, as much as I want to, because my heart and my mind is going to be at the grand the whole time scouts there but i'm not gonna go if i can't see the test being being done so yeah they almost need to like live stream it or something just so the people that can't go watch it can even you know sit sit at the house well, there's something I don't yeah know. that'd be great but i think there's so much stuff they try to keep you know under wraps of what goes on with the grand it's it's it's, it's a totally different animal in itself the grand is yeah. So you said there was seven hundred and fifty dogs going. Seven hundred and eighty something. How many do they normally get for each one? Oh, I don't. I don't know. There's there's eight flights that are going to be running at the Grand this year. And you said normally and, there's like five. Yeah, normally like five. Yeah. So it's it's ridiculous the number of dogs that are going this year. Now, would guys that go to the fall generally take their dog to the spring one as well? Like you try to get oh, yeah. two passes in a year. Oh yeah, yeah. The, it's it's the guys. If you've got a dog that you're really seriously trying to run at that level, you're not going to miss a grant because it is so tough to get a grand pass. That if that's your thing and if you're really pushing, or if you're a pro and I mean that's your business, you're not going to skip a grant, spring or fall. You're going. Well, let's, let's talk about the Grand a little bit because, you know, this is a world that's completely different to me. You know, I've been waterfowl hunting a long time, call making, involved with almost everything waterfowl. But the field test side of things, I think a lot of guys don't know anything about unless right. you're in it. And then guys that are in it are religious about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, um, it's cult-like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very, very cool. And, uh, okay, so... What do you have to do to get a dog qualified to make a grand pass? Well, to be eligible to run the grand, you've got to first have a HRCH, which is a hunting retriever champion title. That's a finished title in the HRC hunt test world. And that's just to be qualified to go run the grand. Any HRCH can run it. So... To get that HRCH, you've got to have uh, four finished passes. You've got to have a certain accumulation of a certain amount of points. You've got to have 100 points in the HRC hunt test game. And that, to do that, you'll get four finished passes to get that amount of points. And then once you're at that level, and a lot of guys that, you know, they get that finished title, that's, that CH title, and, they, and they, they're done. They, they kind of cash out per se with their dog and that's that's fine i mean heck you've you've done a big deal i mean you got a finished title on your dog that's that ain't there's no shame in that at all you know but then there's the guys that kind of it's just like with callers they they get the bug just a little bit more than the other guys do and they want to go to that next level they want to keep pushing and keep keep driving and they decide to run their dogs at the grand and uh, to get a grand pass the grand consists of five full days of tests. There's four, I guess you could call them waterfowl tests. There's two land and two water. 
and and then there's the fifth day or the fifth series as it's called if you make it to the fifth it's an upland test like a quartering pheasant hunt type test but to get to the fifth you've made it through four days of the toughest highest level expectations that there is for a retriever it's it's tough it's it is it is the big dance super bowl for retrievers in my opinion yeah so to get that ch to even be qualified to go to the grand don't you have to do like a you know like a couple of other like don't you have to get like passes man i'm not as familiar with you don't have you don't have to i mean but a lot of guys you know like most guys start out at the started level you know it's a started retriever and there's there's three levels in the hrc hunt test world they're started seasoned and finished and most guys because it's all about tallying up the points to get to that ch title you eventually have to have a hundred points well most guys when they get started in it will run a couple started tests which by started test i mean it's literally it's it's young puppies young dogs typically you know it's just the simple simple thing it's I mean, you literally just walk to the line. You can hold them by the collar. It started, and they pick up two singles on land, and they pick up two singles on water, and that's your day. That's your test, you know. And so, most guys will run two of those and get those two passes, and that makes ten points for them. So they got ten points already on that dog, and they'll train and, and get more advanced, and then they'll step up into the season level. And in the season level, you get a lot more involved. You've got a double for the retrieves. You've got a double mark. You've got a blind that you've got to run. There's a diversion bird, which is usually a bird they throw on the dogs on its way back with a with, with retrieve. You know, and then there's a walk up, which is you're literally you're walking up, and they you know it's like a surprise flush type bird. And they'll run seasoned, and to get that season or the HR title you have to have 40 points. So they'll run enough season tests to get that 40 points. And those 40 points, once you got your HR title, carry over into your finish test that you're about to start running to get your CH title, your hunt retriever champion. Now, is this, so, is this all happening in one season? Like, do you have to uh, accumulate uh, all those points not, in one year? No, you don't. No, there's no time limit on it. I gotcha. mean, you can you can do it as as you want. I mean, there's some guys that you get a really, I mean, you get a real sharp crackerjack little dog, and which you know, and I personally, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of pushing a dog real fast through stuff because you can create a lot of holes, a lot of issues. You know, if you try to go too fast, it's like force feeding. Right. But but there's no. I mean, there's no time limit. I mean, you can take. A year or four years, it doesn't matter. It's all it's all up to you. It's what you want to do, you know. I mean, there's it, it doesn't count any different if it takes you the year or four years. Either way, it's the title is the title. It doesn't matter. I got you. So you get them up to this grand level. How many grand passes do they have to have to get that title? You've got to to get a grand title, a grand a GRHRCH Grand Honey Retriever. You have to have two complete grand passes, which means you made it through 10 full days of the grand, which meant you made it through two full grands, all five series in two of them. 
you got to get two of those. So what if you like? What if you have one, and say they get a pass on one of them, and then they fail another one? It doesn't make you still keep matter. that one. It you still get to keep that. You know, you still have that one grand pass. You just gotta keep working and keep keep trying. You know, and there, and there's a lot of guys that do that. They they get that one. I've been and that's something I've been being told. You know, because this is my first time to have a dog at the grand level, and I keep being told, hey, you know, the first one. The first one kind of, it doesn't come easy, but getting that first one's a big deal, but getting that second one is, like, even harder, you know, for some reason. It's just getting the dogs through that second grand is, is the really hard thing to do. Well, yeah, because you're talking about working with dogs, man. Sometimes they just do things that they yeah, want to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they don't understand this is the Super Bowl, you know? <laughs> oh, and, and, I mean, like today, training – most about 95 percent of the dogs we they worked with this afternoon and, and they've been out there since this morning i only got to be there this afternoon after work but i mean i watched several several dogs and some of them had grand passes and and some of them didn't look good this afternoon you know just the stuff of course you know the stuff they're doing is we're they're taking it up another notch in the expectations and the the difficulty of where birds are falling you know and it's it ain't easy man it's tough it's it's you got those dogs have to really think and it, and it amazes me watching them how you can literally watch some of them making a decision when they're on their way to a bird like they're they're thinking about their line they're taking you know they're making a decision of how they're going to take this angle on a piece of water what i mean those those dogs are slick man they it, it's awesome watching them it's such a technical thing you know like yeah <laughs> are you of the mindset that you know, it has to, like, how do you know you have a special dog, you know, because there's sometimes, you know, you have a dog, and they're under a year old, and you're like, man, this dog is really smart, really driven, you know, and then sometimes you're like, you'll hunt with somebody, and you're like, your dog is dumber than a box of rocks, you know, he does, he picks up the ducks, but he is just dumb as all get out, and he's a great dog, but he's just dumb. Right, right, I mean, it's, I think it takes a while to know. Like, I mean, well, for mine, mine, Scout, he'll be four in December. And he's been, I've done most of the training myself. Like, I, I put his finished title on him, his HRCH. Since that time, he's been with me, and he's spent a lot of time with David, my buddy that's the pro. And David, being able to work literally every day with him, has and I've seen the progression even the the way he's changed he's he's a completely different dog in the way he works how he thinks how he operates I mean it's just it's amazing to watch the the difference he is you know and I, I think it takes a little while to know if you've really got one but then you know sometimes you just and I know a guy that's in our group he's got a little young one that's 17 months old it's a little male, and I mean that dog already has his finished title on him. He's 17 months old. He's already got a HRCH, and he has three Master Hunter passes on him at AKC already. This dude, he's a hitter, as we say. That that little dog is flat. Got some talent. So you know, and is it something like to where you got that finished, you know, that finished pass level dog that you think any of them could get to the grand if there was enough time and training? No, I don't. I don't. 
I don't think so. some of them just are not meant for it. They're yeah. just the grand. I mean, it's just you can have a really nice finish level dog, but it'll never make the grand. And there's and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I mean, I may have that right now. We don't know. We haven't run the grands yet. Right. But, right. What would you say I would mean, be the the difference in a dog that does that? Being able to keep it together, and by that I mean like keeping their head on straight and keeping their mind clear for that many days of test. And it's and it's not just the test, it's everything that goes into it. I mean, at the Grand, you're going to be in a flight of dogs. You, there may be 150, 160 dogs in the flight that you're in. You may be dog 98 or 100, so you may not run till five o'clock that evening and that dog has got to sit on that truck all day long and listen to all the stuff that's going on and the other dogs and the environment and the shot you know and these dogs they they know what they're there for i mean they they know you know what i'm saying i was gonna ask do they know like if it's test day or if you're just out working oh yeah they they know they know what they're there for and being able to do that and stay cool and come off that truck and be composed and keep it together for that not just that day but for five days being able to keep their act together and keep their head on straight man it it takes a lot and plus i mean the, the way they set stuff up at this at the grand those birds that they throw are tough tough bird placement i mean it it takes a it takes a special one i mean it does i mean that's why I think there's like less than 500 in the world grand title dogs. So I mean, and it's been going for forever. I mean, it, it takes a special one. Is okay. Can they see what's going on? Because in my mind, we've all played. Well, I would say the vast majority of people that listen to this thing have played football at one point in time in their life, uh-huh. and they're thinking of everybody standing in line waiting for. We call it Oklahoma drill, where you're laying on your back, helmet to helmet. One person gets the ball, and it's like, hey, we're going to make some men today. And everybody else right. is standing in line waiting for their turn. Can they see what's going on where they're, they're yeah, waiting like no, that? Typically, they're in the truck. I say on the truck. They're on a trailer, and they're home on a dog, on a big dog pro's trailer. Or they're in your – or for the amateur guys, they're in your kennel in the bed of your truck. And you're parked away from the line, especially like at the Grand. At a finish test, you may be able to park a little closer. But at the Grand, they want you back away. You know, so the dogs can't see the test the whole time they're there. They don't they don't know what's being thrown or how it's being done or anything like that. They know what's going on though. Like they know hear it. They you know what I'm saying, they hear the shots going off. They know that there's other dogs and trucks around them, you know, they know the environment. So, you know, no they don't literally sit there and see everything going on, you know. Now when it comes their turn to go, they have to get out of the truck and go to a what's called a holding blind, which is a panel like a two or three panel blind that the, you get in with the dog that they can't see out of and at that point you're real close to the to the line where the test is being run Jeez. and they can't they can't see the birds being thrown from that holding blind but at that point they a hundred percent know what they're fixing to do like they know as soon as you let me as soon as you call me to come out of this holding blind it's game time, and I know what we're going to do. 
So, like, I can't even imagine going and sitting out there for an hours on hours. Like, Bruh. are they able to, uh, do you guys, like, pull them out of the truck or anything and, like, let them yeah. run off the energy? Air them. Yeah, they air them out. You know gotcha. what I'm saying? They, they let the dogs air out. And, and I mean, those, those now, as far as just letting them run, no. Well, but yeah, you can't with that many dogs. Yeah, because so. you got you to gotta keep them under control. But they'll air them out, and, you know, they take care of them, that sort of thing. But, I mean, for the most part... They hang out in that hole till it's their number, till it's their turn. Man, I can't even imagine. Anytime I've ever worked, you know, one of my own dogs or anything, it's always, you know, let's go get some energy out before we, before we focus right. on serious training. I can't imagine. This is the biggest event of your year, and yeah. uh, it's time to go, buddy. There's no, you know, let's get some energy out and do dog things first. Right. I mean, I mean, they'll they'll go, they'll get them out of the hole, and they'll air them out. You know, let them go to the bathroom, do their thing, kind of air them out for a little bit, and then it's, you know, and every pro's kind of and, and trainer, they've all kind of got their little routine that they do, you know, as far as how that works. You know, and once they air them out, it's slip the leader over their head and let's go to the first holding bond and wait our turn, bud. It's time to go. Let's go make, let's go make money. You know, at this uh, at this high level, you know, of training and field trials and stuff, what would you say the like on an estimate? percentage-wise is versus, like, professional trainers taking the dogs through or guys that are doing it by themselves? Oh, at, at the Grand, it's heavily pros. It really is. It's And it's a, it's a numbers game. I mean, there's no limit of how many dogs you can enter into the Grand. So, like, there's some pros that I know personally that are taking 24 this fall. So, he's got that guy's got 24, quote, bullets in his gun when he goes. You know what I mean? Right. Versus the amateur that shows up with his one personal dog, he has one bullet to take to that line. And he's got to make it happen with that one. That Where that pro has 24 of them. And each dog is going to show him a little something in that test that day of how the next one could run a little bit better. You know what I mean? I mean, each one is going to show a spot in the show how to you know how i can attack this bird or that one and then you know that pro can pick up on things as they go well yeah you're almost, that, you're almost at a disadvantage only being a, you are. have a one dog because there's no hey we're gonna have, yeah there's no halftime yeah, adjustments you, <laughs> yeah you got you got all your bullets in your gun when you go to the line and it's gotta make this shot count man you know yeah. so it's it's tough i mean it's it's tough for amateurs it really is and and it's not saying amateurs can't pass because there are some really good ones that have titled their dogs as amateurs, you know. But for the most part, it's it's when you get to the grand level, it's a big pro thing. A lot of guys like Ams, like myself, will put our dogs with a pro to go to the grand, you know. And it's and not just so much the the that the test as it is the training it takes to get ready for it. I mean, it's it's every day, you know, and. Those guys, they're going to leave. Like I talked to David today, he's leaving next Friday. Well, the the Grand doesn't run for two for a whole other week from that. They'll be in Kentucky training on on some grounds they get access to for a full week prior to the Grand even starting. Yeah, and you know, you know, and, and guy like us, we can't take off work two weeks to go do that. 
Well, right, and like you just said yourself, you've never had a dog at that level, whereas he might right. be bringing ten other dogs and has done it before. Like, right. it's it's just kind of like sending it to a specialist. You know, you look at the yep, the NFL. Is. Everybody has a quarterback coach. Like, you know, right. sure you can. Your dad could have taught you everything you ever knew your whole life, but guess what? When you get to the college, you know, you're going to start doing some specific stuff with guys who've been there before to try to get you to that next level. Yeah, and, and running that level of a test, a lot of it is on the handler. I mean, it is. You gotta, you gotta be on your game too. I mean, your dog's gotta be really good, but you gotta be a good handler too. You gotta know what you're doing. And those guys that, those pros that do it, I mean, they just, I mean, the fact is, they, just, they have more experience. You know, they, they know what. That's not their first rodeo. So, you know, they're, they're more prepared when they get down there. That is, it's, it's. For me as an amateur, I've even had the chance to run a couple of my buddies' dogs in some tests, and I, I used to never believe it till I did it the first time. It's a totally different deal when it's not my personal dog sitting at my side at, at, at the line. You know, I mean, my dog—I take scouts of the line. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nerved up a little bit because he's mine. I, you know what I mean? I, I know his habits, and I'm, I'm a little more nervous about how he's going to do or how I'm going to do with him. I take my buddy's dog and I'm I just look at him like, dude, this is on you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you you're a do- dog, but it's almost yeah. like you're a trained, you know, piece of equipment at this point in the game. <laughs> right. You know, and I don't, I don't have that personal attachment to my buddy's dog like he does, you know, or like I do to mine. So it's, it's for like those pros. Not that they don't care about those dogs because they do, but it's, it's different. Is it? It's not their personal. They're not dog, emotional they're, about it. Right, exactly. It's business. It is. It's time to go make money, as they say. I would almost rather. It seems like from an outsider who has absolute zero experience, I would almost rather somebody else run my dog, so I didn't have to worry about myself <laughs> getting emotional right. and screwing it up. You know. Right, and it's it's fun. It's an you know it's an adrenaline rush. I mean, I've run scout and all this other stuff. I've never been to the grand line, but I don't at this point. I want to eventually run him personally at and so I can say that I've done it. But I want him to get some experience with David first so he, he kind of knows what to do first before I take him down there. Right, right. Yeah, there'd be no, especially with only one this year, there'd be no, nothing worse than spending all this right. time and effort and training and let's be real, right. money put into the thing. And oh, yeah. You get out there and you don't know what the hell, you know, you know what you're doing, obviously, but, you know, you're not stacking the deck in your best favor by not going exactly. with some, the professional doing it. Right. So we, you give me a uh, a couple list of stuff that you know we could go over, and we kind of started sure. a hunt test. We kind of went in reverse order. So let's go. Like, what's some of the benefits of uh, of going through the hunt run, stuff? The t- the test game. Yeah. You know, like you said, most of the guys probably listen to this thing. You know, and I was that guy for forever and ever too. About I had no desire to ever run a test, none. You know, I just I wanted my dog to pick ducks up, and and that's all. And that's why I mean, that's why we have them. Truth be told, even the test dogs, most of them guys that run hunt tests, those dogs hunt all winter too. You know, what I mean, and that's why they enjoy to have them. But the benefit of running tests, the, one of the biggest things is it's. It's year-round stuff for your dog to do. I mean, it makes the dogs better. You know, I mean, it's it's like we talked in the earlier time when me and you visited about, you know, your dog's not sitting on the couch for four or five months out of the year, and then 
in October, you're like, all right, Fido, let's get outside and start running and doing some stuff. So you'll be you'll be ready for duck season, you know. And he's looking at you like, come on, dude, I've been living AC life all this summer. Yeah, turn Scooby Doo back on. (laughs) Right, turn in. Where's the kids at? I want another Cheeto. So you know, but it it makes the dogs better. I mean, they get to train, they get to do stuff. You meet. I have had a chance. I've got to meet some of the best people ever in this hunt test dog people are awesome folks and you you make a lot of friends through it the dogs get better especially in the ukc world because it is hunter hunting based hunt tests and stuff it's more true to like a hunt you know and it's it's fun i mean it's something to do with your dog throughout the season and you get a young dog you start running started Next thing you know, you're running a season test, you know, and, and you get those ribbons, and it's, it's it's it becomes addictive. Well, and you're building that relationship with your dog, you know, your hunting right. partner that you're asking to jump his ass in the freezing water in January, right. and uh, you know, versus the guy that, all right, here's here's my dog, season's over, time to go back in the kennel, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're not building that relationship when uh, right. you're not giving them any attention, time training all that good stuff right which you know like i've said that's it's one of my pet peeves is the guys that like you said season's over with and day after duck season's over he's looking at you your dog's looking at you like man you've done something with me nearly every day for the last two and a half months and now you just ignore me like it's over you don't need me no more you know and if you're doing the hunt test game most guys that i've kind of got to where i'm training with they start training at the end of duck season because hunt tests crank up in like February, March, and April. You know, it's 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 we're just rolling right back into that again. You know, it's another one and of those ways to uh, stay involved with freaking waterfowl season during the summer, man. When it we're is. All it is dreaming of freaking ducks flying. Right, and I mean because everybody that runs it, they all hunt. You know what I mean? So you got that in common with everybody. Everybody's a hunter. And they, and they all and when you're in that obviously they're there they want their dogs better you know so they're they're running the test they're training they're learning how to actually you know during that hunting season may have had a dog that just flat couldn't pick up a bird that was a blind they didn't see fall and you can you know they're learning how to train and teach them how to run a blind and things like that you know and you <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with it but you don't have to be the guy that totes the pocket full of rocks to throw out there and make a splash so your dog will go pick it up <laughs> yeah right and well and then you know, <laughs> teaching that freaking honoring man and not right. you know and not busting and breaking and doing all that crazy right. stuff i feel right, like it, exactly. just putting them in those situations to where you know they can practice the other 10 months out of the year and stay yeah. fresh on it versus getting pissed off on at them you know on thanksgiving <laughs> the day after thanksgiving when they're freaking breaking the decoys you know before birds yep. are landing yeah yeah you get the guy that says man my dog's never broke you just sealed the deal that he's gonna break yeah, <laughs> right, right. you pretty much just said he's getting ready to do it because there's two types of dogs in this world the ones that have broke and the ones that are about to yeah absolutely man it you know <laughs> and it's you have to have that understanding and patience that they're going to do it at some point like oh yeah it's coming yeah it, that's a freaking sketchy situation too there's nothing worse I mean, than a a big group landing in the decoys and then all of a sudden you just hear stop 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 because the dog's oh, yeah. running out there 
and everybody yeah, and I mean, out. like mine, Scout is pretty – he's pretty good on a ball on a duck hunt, on a dog stand, that sort of thing. But the dude, if you put him in ground blinds, and, and if we're in ground blinds hunting geese or something, and you put him in a dog ground blind next to me, you can just about guarantee the first volley, he may not flat get out in front of the blinds, but he's going to come out of that ground blind and be standing right there next to my head, ready to roll. Well, and it drive, it drive, it, you, can, you can put it in the bank, it's going to happen. And that's the he, worst, too, because... He like, hates geese, he hates geese, and he hates staying in a ground blind. It, it, it's, and it, it drives me crazy. So the first volley, I've learned... I'm just not even going to shoot. I come up with my gun, but the left hand has got a collar transmitter, and the minute that dude goes to creep out of that blind, I'm, I mean, my buddies are shooting, and I'm hitting high three <laughs> because I don't want him to think that that's acceptable. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and because geese I mean, are the worst, too, because I can't tell you how many times we let geese land because there's more working. You know, you might let the... The three or four land and walk around while the other 20 are finishing and then you got geese right. standing 15 feet from your dog walking around that dog's probably losing his mind yeah and mine's cool with that it's whenever you come out of those blinds it's like he knows it's game time yeah you know and it's and you can you can guarantee the first volley if we're in ground blinds it's gonna happen but after that first one when i can get into him he won't do it the rest of the day, and he won't do it the rest of the season. But that first one, just mark it down, it's fixed to happen. Oh, man, it's just like us being a bunch of freaking... It doesn't matter how many years you hunt, how many hunts you've been on, and if you don't get this feeling the first volley of the year of where you're just the hardest pounding adrenaline going, yeah. like, you should quit. Yeah. But I can't oh, yeah. tell you how many first big volleys of the season that I've just flock shot and been like, well, and with everything. Away. Yeah, miss everything. Yeah, because you're too excited, man. Yep. It uh, it happens to us all, and dogs are no different than any of us, man. Um, right. So let's go back and go to uh, a dog's first hunt, man. Um, what? What's yeah. some of the stuff we should talk about for a dog's first hunt? Well, there, and there's a lot of guys that are probably getting ready for that and may have already done it. I mean, Hector's teal season's already going everywhere, you know, in early goose seasons, but first hunt first thing and 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 this is probably going to make me popular if you own that dog and it's his first hunt my first recommendation personally is you either a leave your gun at home or put your gun in the case and leave it in the boat or in the wheeler or whatever you you're not shooting that day you're there to work that dog you're you're there to pay attention to your pup I mean, look, you got you got seven, eight, nine, ten years of hunting with this dog down the road, and the future coming. That you're you're going to get to shoot a lot of birds in front of this guy or gal. But today, you're not shooting because if you do, you can guarantee that breaking we just talked about fixing to happen immediately. And the first hunt, whatever goes on in that first hunt, sets the precedence and the bar for that dog for the rest of its life. And that first hunt, you 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 got to pay attention to them, you know. Well, and it's, it's probably the it, first time that a lot of them have heard five people shooting a gun at the same time. You know, you might have been yeah, practicing with some poppers you know, and stuff, but five people yeah, going at once. And on that, I'm not a big fan of a. If it's your puppy's first hunt, I'm not a fan of a big group either. I'm I'm more of a you and one buddy or you and two buddies. 
and you don't shoot, let them do the shooting, sets you and your pup up off, not not way off away. I mean, you want to be up there where you, the dog can see everything that's going on. But get back so they're not right in the middle of all them guns going off. You know, but get them back away from that small shot you know it don't look we got time to pile them up later down the road i mean today's not all about the pile that we're going to kill in front of this pub you know it's it's all about did he behave was he steady did he sit was he still was he quiet did he not break you know did he see the birds when we shot them and, and they fell if not you know what to do go out and help him pick them up i mean because it's Man, it's a ton of stuff going on on the first hunt for a pup, you know. And that's why I'm, I'm not a big fan of the big groups. You know, you, like you said, you get five shotguns going off. That poor dog just went to wow world in one volley. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's on the beaches of Normandy right now, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so I'm just, that's why I don't like that. You know, I, it's, I like to set them up to be as successful as they can that day. And I mean, really... I'm even the guy that if, if you're during the normal duck season, I'm not a big fan of taking a pup for his first hunt on opening morning. Oh, yeah, there's too many big, idiots, man. Well, and it's not and it's that, but not so much the idiots as it is. I don't know about everybody else, but me personally, opening day is like Christmas. And mm. I'm as jacked up as anybody for that first morning. And I don't want even that being involved in me trying to pay attention to the dog plus me being excited about it, the first group of birds getting into the decoys well you know and you know the fact that it's so it kind of sucks it sets pups up for failure um yeah with you know a lot of the first taste is dove hunting and teal hunting in september and i don't know uh, about you but it is way too hot for me to be out there all the time it has to look good for me to really want to be out teal hunting now that opening weekend is over and uh, dove hunting, I can go out and have fun with, but it's just too hot for a dog. So then you get October rolling around, and it's cooled off enough to where, you know, you can stay outside a little bit longer. And now you have a, a, a pup that's been retrieving nothing but dummies and maybe some, you know, some dead birds and stuff like that here on out. And now you're asking a dog to retrieve a freaking local honker that weighs 13 pounds <laughs> for a dog that might weigh 60 or 70 pounds. Right, yeah, and I mean, and I'm like you talk about the dove hunts. I, I still want dove hunt scout. He'll be four in December. I'm not a big dove hunt with a dog guy. My my reason for that is dove are small, they're tiny. Feathers fall off a dove in my hands, much less a dog's mouth. And for a young dog, those doves fit real good way back in that mouth to crunch on. Right. And and it's just a temptation to crunch and then eat. So I just I, I just avoid the problem altogether. I just I'm not a big fan of it. Teal hunting, I think it's a great chance to go. If you've got a lot of teal and you got a couple of buddies, they're going to let them. They're going to do the shooting for you. I'm a fan. I, I take them because teal are small birds. It's easy for the dog to pick up. You know, it's it's not cold, cold, but it's usually you know the first hour or so of the morning of a teal hunt. It's pretty cool. It feels good. <laughs> Usually shallow water, most guys teal honey, and it's easy. It's easy retrieving stuff, you know, and it's a great chance to introduce them. But I just, I'm not that guy that's going to take them to open them on the regular duck season, and everybody's on cloud nine and red.
there's 400 guys in the public woods and all and, and all that stuff. I, I'm not taking them to the, the big top show their first time. What do you think about a dog learning to retrieve uh, geese for you know, like being a young it's, pup and trying it's to retrieve? Tough. Yeah, because they're it's so tough. they're a third of the dog's body size. If it's if it's swimming water, like a big pond, and, and a lot of our local honkers here, I don't know about where you guys where you're at, but a lot of them is on local ponds. So if it's swimming water, dogs can kind of they don't have to pick them up completely. You know what I mean? They can right. swim with them. And then you can kind of help them as they get to the bank. So, I mean, that's cool. I mean, now, geese sometimes, like Scout, my dog now, his first goose, man, it freaked him out. He had picked up ducks. He had been on several hunts, Done had been doing real well. We knocked down a couple geese that morning, and he bails out after I seen him. <laughs> I mean, running full head of steam, fixed to hit this thing wide open like a linebacker, and he gets about 10 feet from it, and he puts the brakes on and looks back at me like, you got to be kidding me, Jack. That thing's bigger than me, <laughs> and they're sent from and hell. I mean, yeah, and he's and he's like, and I mean, I had to convince him, and he was freaked out. I mean, and now he's a bit older, he's doing a bit more, but he was like, "No, ain't happening, dude. That thing's huge," you know. And geese expect. I mean, if you're gonna do a, a young dog with honkers, make sure that sucker's dead, because I mean, a crippled goose can whoop. A dog. <laughs> Dude, I've had, I've had geese freaking hit me in the arm with their wings, you know, as they're fighting yeah. and stuff. That, sh- that hurts. Yeah. So, and you don't you don't want that. I mean, because good night, you get a young dog and he bails out there and that crippled goose just beats him. He's done. He may never want to go near a goose the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah. And you know? like where I'm at in Missouri, man, that is mainly what we freaking hunt is freaking honking. Right. Right. And I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with dogs hunting geese and picking them up. And young dogs can do it. You just it may mean you got to have a little more patience because it's tough. You know, you get that young year and a half old dog. If he manages to pick the goose up on a dry field, he's going to look like a lion toting a dead gazelle underneath him as he's going across <laughs> there. I mean, you know, he's going to be doing all he can waddling with this big thing underneath him. And he may mouth it hard and flip it over four or five, trying to figure out how to pick it up. You know, because he's been training, and all the bumpers he's picked up, he can just run out there and grab. Well, then you got this big thing. He's looking at you like, how am I supposed to pick this thing up, dude? You know, they're, they're so much bigger. So you just you got to be patient with them and just and work with them. Yeah. You know, maybe, you... Even, maybe even get a goose and go in the backyard and throw fun pup, pup, puppy retrieves in the back and, and be patient and just work with them there until they get the confidence to pick up something that's, so intimidating yeah that's what i was gonna say would it make sense to freaking go out on a hunt shoot a couple and bring it back and let the dog yeah figure out that angle of picking it absolutely absolutely that's good man uh let me look at our list prep i don't know what you had down for prep what uh what prep are you thinking uh i was thinking for like their hunts their first one kind of like a checklist for me it's number one is your dog steady at training and, and work? You know, are they steady in what they do? You know, they're not breaking and training and when you're doing stuff with them. And then have they have you shot over them? I mean, good night. Don't take your dog its first time and you shoot high brat, you know, number three shot over its head and it's, it's never heard nothing besides a cat pistol. You know, have you shot over them? Have you showed them a real bird frozen out of the deep freeze from the season before? You know, have they ever seen a real bird, smelt one? 
you know, things like, and then introduce them to as much of what you're going to do on a, you know, like if you're a dog stand guy, have you put them on a dog stand? Have they rode in their, in a boat? Have they been on a four wheel? I mean, like, like my dog scout, he's a boat purist because we hunt the woods a lot. Well, I got an invite to go with some guys on a rice field in the pit and they ride four wheelers and side by sides. It was all I could do to get him to get in the back of that side by side. <laughs> Cause he just looking at me like, what is this thing? Yeah. You know, he's never seen hunt. one. <laughs> Yeah, and he got in it, and they took off to drive, and he's wanting to jump out. He's like, I don't like this. You know, so have you introduced them to as much as you can so that when they go that first day, it's not freak-out mode because I've never seen this or done this before. I don't like this. You know what I mean? Well, like, yeah. if, you're a guy that, if you're a guy that hunts out of a pit, don't let the first time he sees a pit that be the morning you take him because pits are dark, black holes in the ground to a dog. And they're looking at you like, you want me to get in there? You know, I mean, if you hunt a pit, take your dog to the pit when y'all go brush it before season. Let him get in and out of it and figure out it's fun. You know what I mean? Introduce them to stuff like that. Yeah. During the, uh, like, say it's right before, you know, season or whatever, and it's not ungodly hot. Do you do, like, any kind of dry runs or anything like that where you would actually take them out to... Like, it's different having a tree in your backyard and strapping the stand to that and having them hop up, but actually taking them out to, you know, that knee-deep water, strapping yeah. it to a tree, doing calling, yeah. pretending that we you, do. you're doing a hunt. We do, and I mean, we'll go to a pond where we could, where we train some and do that sort of thing, and then like I said, if you're a guy that, if you got a hunting club and y'all, your club is a field hunting club and you hunt out of pits all the time, well, I mean, we all know everybody has work days. You know, and that's usually two or three weeks or so before the duck season. We have a work day. we got to brush the pits and everything. Take your dog and some bumpers and go out there and throw bumpers out of the pit that day with him. You know, let him let him figure out, hey, this is where you're going to be, and it's fun. You know what I mean? Let him get some experience in it. Yeah. Now, like, uh, say it's the morning of that hunt. Are you a proponent of, like, feeding the dog before the hunt, after the hunt? Like, what's that situation? <laughs> I don't change my feeding schedule even during the hunting season. I, I'm an evening feeder for for year round. I just I feed in the evenings. I don't I don't know that there's a science or a precise reason behind it, but we just it's a habit, it's a routine. The dogs feed in the evenings. Even like right now on Davis truck, all those dogs are gonna be eating here in about twenty, thirty minutes. You know, and it's it's getting dark now. They worked all day and they're going to eat. They're going to be they're going to be fed and they're going to be watered and they're going to get to air and then they're done for the day. You know, even during the duck season, I don't feed in the mornings. It's it's kind of like man, if you're a guy that goes to the gym, I doubt seriously you want to put a big heavy meal in your stomach before we go do a bunch of pull ups and and lifting. It's gonna it's not going to be good later. Right. You know. Right. You know. So I mean, the fact is, if you're feeding them a quality food, you know, not and, I, and I'm not the guy that I'm, I'm not a big old, the old Roy the cheap dog food guy right? And, I, and not to sell a certain brand but if you're feeding a good quality dog food a performance type like a 30-20 food 30% fat 20% protein and you're feeding in the evenings they've still got enough in the tank for that next morning's hunt you know it, it, it's, it's they didn't burn it that night sleeping and doing nothing so I mean they're good for the next morning yeah 
What about uh like you know inclement weather? Are you a dog vest guy if it's super cold out? Uh, not so much for the cold. I do put a vest on Scout. I think it helps them float better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, 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 it makes them more buoyant. Now I know all the guys that are timber hunters they're out there screaming right now but i'll never put a dog vest on my dog in the woods because it limbs and i get that and i have seen dogs get hung up i understand but i'm a i'm a vest guy mostly for buoyancy i guess you could say it helps him float better i don't i I mean it may help him stay warmer i'm sure it does it's neoprene i mean for heck we wore neoprene waders for years and they were warm but I don't know so much about as far as now. If it gets a certain temp, certain temp like those, man, it gets so cold that I don't want to go. Guess what? I don't want to put him in it either. You know, them, yeah. You know, them days, them days that it's like ten, which hasn't happened much in the last few years, obviously. But you get those days, it's like ten, and the wind's blowing out of the north. I'm not taking him. I'm just, I'm gonna leave him at home. It's just, it ain't worth it. Dogs can get hypothermia too. Oh, yeah, especially you know, with them being wet. Right. You know, now, they are built for it. You know, the the way they're made, God made them that way to, you know, shed the water and, and all that sort of thing. But it's it's just not worth it, you know. And if you do take them and it's a big day that it's all iced up, I won't make them pick up every bird we shoot immediately. I may let them sit lay for a while, you know. And that way, if when he goes pick up birds, it's one big time. Let's go get them picked up, buddy. When you get back, I'm going to dry you off because it's so cold, and then you can hang out with us for a while, you know, and I'll have a heater, you know, like a little Mr. Buddy heater to keep him warm. Yeah. You know, but I won't make him go and pick up every bird as soon as it falls. You know what I mean? That way, because there's no sense in being wet and cold for no reason. I mean, you may shoot a volley, shoot down two or three, and it may be 45 minutes where you shoot the next volley. I mean, and that's that ain't fair. You know, I'm not going to make him sit over there wet and cold for 45 minutes waiting for us to finally convince another duck to get in, get in the hole with us. Yeah. Have you, um, what about in dry fields with, like, vests and stuff, too? I've seen pictures of dogs that have gashed open their chest running into, like, stocks. Dude, we've yeah. punctured tires out on stocks before, you know, like. We don't really have them. I mean, we don't have that kind of field where we are. You know, I mean, the fields here are rice for the most part. I've I've heard of the guys, you know, that like you said, like corn stalks, you know, dogs gash and stuff. I mean, I can see where a vest, and I know guys that put boots on their dogs, like the little neoprene dog boots, mm-hmm. and and those in those fields like that. Because man, corn stubble's rough. Yeah, I mean, it, it slices can, your hand up, man. Yeah, I mean, corn stubble, milo, whatever it is, the crop you're hunting that day, It's especially when it gets cold and it's frozen, that stuff don't give. You know, and you, you get that dog barreling wide open. I mean, yeah, I could see he could hurt himself, you know. Yeah. What, uh, like, do you bring any kind of, like, first aid stuff out, you know, at least in the truck or anything like that? In case yeah, you get I do. And stuff? I keep a gallon Ziploc bag in my front box of my boat. Because, like I said, we usually have a boat with us. And I've got the basics. I've got EMT gel, which will, it's like a glue. We all know what it is. It's like a glue that can close a small wound up. I've got some gauze wrap and some uh, Benadryl, which you can give a dog in small doses. You just got to know how to give it. And then 
you know, just basic stuff like that, that if something had, like if we tore a pad or something, I can get it at least bandaged up before I take him to the vet. You know, just something to get us by, essentially. You know. Yeah, that's that's good stuff to have. You brought up um, the ice. And that's something that until you get out in that hunting situation, or I guess you could, like, what do you do for training for ice? Is that something, you know, because it's, it's usually happening kind of during a, hunting season. Yeah, that's that's kind of an OJT thing. On-the-job training for most of them. I mean, you can't really, there's certain things you can't simulate in training. You just can't. I mean, it's impossible. You can't simulate, you can't simulate a cripple. I mean, people try, but to me, you really can't because of what a crippled duck will do. You know, they're so unpredictable. You, I mean, it's that and ice. I mean, it's it's on-the-job training for a dog. They just have to kind of learn as they go, you know. And, I mean, and it takes some of them a little longer to figure it out than others, you know. But Ice, is, and that's, ice can get real sketchy real quick. And that's where you as the owner, you gotta you got to know your dog, first of all. And you got to know the situation. Like, how thick is the ice? You know what I mean? Is it sheet stuff that he's going to be able to get through, and how deep is that water under that ice? Is it something he's going to be swimming, or can he run? If he breaks through, can he run and get back up on top? You know what I mean? So you just got to be smart. You know what I mean? And as far as training and learning, that goes, man, those those old, as I say, them old-timer dogs, you know, them six-, seven-year-old dogs that have hunted for six or seven years, kind of seen it all done it all man them guys are they're they're as sharp as a grand title dog sometimes those pure hunting dogs they know how to navigate ice they know how to navigate a cripple how to beat him at his own game you know you watch them they they're sharp they they've learned things on their own you know what i mean right now we have like some ponds around that you know our area that we hunt that we know is only you know a foot and a half two feet deep across the whole pond you know it's like a good little teal pond and it always freezes up come December, January. Would it be a good idea to like go out there and bust a big hole? Not for hunting uh, purposes, but just to get them out in the water and learning the transition? I'm going to say no, because I'm a guy that, you know, everybody asks about, like, like the question I get sometimes with guys with puppies of what, when can I, when can I introduce him to water? You know, and it, if it's cold, so look, I, if it's, if it's frozen, I'm not going to break a hole just so I can show him what frozen water is like and cold. I mean, he don't want to go do that. I wouldn't either. It's a totally different training and hunting. Even for a dog, it's totally different. When they're hunting, they're kind of like us. They don't think about it. You know what I mean? They're that they're, adrenaline. Yeah, they're adrenaline. They're go. They don't mind it. Now, if they're hunting, if they're training, and you're up there doing that, and he's looking at you like you got to be kidding me. Really? You're not even excited about doing this, but you want me to be excited about going out in that water you just broke a hole in. You know, so no, I'm I'm not one that's gonna do that. You know. Yeah, yeah. It, have you ever had any kind of scares or anything with that stuff? I have, I have. In fact, he was with Scout his very first season, and he was young. And we used to have a big cypress break that we hunted down here in the river bottoms, and it had froze up all the way across and the birds had actually got in there and worked a hole out right against the bank and the ice was it was thick ice i mean it was real thick in fact one of our guys walked out on it you know and i was like man that's still super thick well scout was young i mean he's barely over a year old barely even a year old and 
I was just not let, we were we were killing them. I mean, they were falling in that little hole that they kept open, just perfect. And I wasn't letting him pick birds up most of the morning. And finally, it kind of got a little low, and I was like, All right, I'm gonna let him pick up the, the easy ones right here. He picked those up, and we finished up the hunt. We had ducks laying on the ice where they would fall, just laying out there on the ice everywhere. And we were like, how are we going to get these birds? Because you know, it was so thick, we can't get a boat in that slough. We use a kayak to put our stuff out and pick up because it's deep. And I was like, you know, Chris walked out there on it a while ago. Scout weighs like 40 pounds. Well, he goes out and picks up the first one running across the ice. And oh, after about man. the third one, after about the third one, he figured out to stay low. And I mean, and he was making clockwork. I mean, just back and forth. He was killing them. And we're all cool, happy, loving, watching it do it. And he goes out about the seventh or eighth one and breaks through. Goes through the ice. And I panicked. Dude, like my heart dropped out. And he got back and he got his feet up on top, but he couldn't get up on the ice. And my buddy is in the kayak out picking up other ducks and he goes to break and trying to get to him and find, scout struggling to get back up on top and I mean, I'm in panic mode finally he just he I don't know if he just finally just decided to get himself calmed down he worked himself back up on it and come back and I was like that's it no more never again yeah, I'll never no put him I will never ever 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 I don't care what I don't care if it's a double banded black duck drake he's not going across the ice to pick it up again you know what I mean yeah so yeah, yeah I mean that's that's we had a scare you know has he been back out on the ice no. Okay. <laughs> I was just saying. No, he hasn't. You know, he hasn't. I mean, and I don't know that I would. You know, unless I know, it's like you said, that pond is like two foot deep, that I know he can handle it. Yeah, I know I can get my fat ass out and break ice and run all the way across right. it if I need to. No, I'm, I'm, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, it's sketchy. Yeah. And you know, for the longest time, everybody has removed dew claws. All my dogs, I've always had their claws removed. That's just kind of like the, the standard thing. But I've seen sure. videos of where they use it as like little hooks on ice. Yeah, yeah. And, and scouts, that? scouts are gone too. His, his are removed as well. And man, there's you know there's guys on both sides of the aisle on that on whether they should be cut out or whether they should be left. And and I've I've seen the other side of well they weren't removed and got dogs that hung them on the edge of a boat or a four wheeler yeah. and tore them. And man, I'm gonna tell you what they will bleed like crazy if that happens. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's one of those things, you know, God gave it to them when he made them, so we've decided they don't need them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we cut them off when they're puppies. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, I mean, it's one of those weird ones. I didn't know it was politicized. You know, what's that's the good thing about being ignorant to the whole uh, dog training right. and breeding world. <laughs> is, right. uh, I get to just be dumb and think up, you know, questions without having any kind of preconceived notion. Right, exactly. <laughs> well buddy i uh i appreciate you jumping on here tonight um we'll try to Not think of a couple of uh a couple of topics to go over for the next time and get you back on here in a couple of weeks man that'll be good man when are you uh you said it's 10 days from now is the hunt test uh it's it's two it's two weeks from this weekend is when it actually starts it starts the weekend of the 10th of october that's right the so. 10th, not 10 days 
yeah that's when it starts so it's for though if i don't get to go or even if i, if I do get to i can't stay but for saturday because of work i have to be back but either way i, I told our buddy michael Meredith, i i may have to come hang out in the shop with him and and he can just just send me drinks and, and just keep me calm down for about five days because i'll be a nervous wreck so long as i know scout's still in contention and running yeah man <laughs> well good luck to you guys doing that and hopefully you get to go and get to see something i don't know what the hell uh, they're gonna do with it but uh Hopefully yeah, he makes sure it just either. clean, man. All right, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, buddy, and I hope you have a, a good night and a good weekend coming up. You too, bud. All right, man. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right, guys. Part three of the Retriever series. Hopefully you liked it. Share it. Enjoy it. Check out Swampwood Products. Get yourself a duck call blank. Um, unstable calls. You can send me that duck call blank, and I will turn it into a beautiful piece of art and a functional piece of art and kill some ducks with it. Um, get yourself a nice piece of apparel from Fox Red Apparel. Check out the head-to-head competition in two weeks. Next, not next Wednesday, but the Wednesday afterwards. And uh, we'll get eight callers down to four. Thanks, everybody. See ya.